<clears throat> we should always celebrate the gift of life. The gift of life is the most precious gift that the Lord can give us. Every time we wake up in the morning, our prayer should be one of gratitude, like the Blessed Mother. Whenever the Blessed Mother woke up in the morning, she always gave gratitude to God. She always gave thanksgiving to God for another day, for another day of our life. She always have a thankful heart for this gift of life because it's a precious gift. Because we don't know if this is going to be the last day of our life, the last year of our life, the last month of our life. We don't know. So why not give thanksgiving? Why not give gratitude to God for this precious gift of life? Why not make your life as best as you can make it? Even if you're suffering, even if you're suffering and you're bedridden, or maybe you're in a nursing home, or, or maybe you're homebound, maybe you, know, you can't go places, maybe you're physically limited, still give thanksgiving for the gift of life. Even give thanksgiving for your sufferings. That's advanced Thanksgiving. That's like Thanksgiving 201 or 301, 401. The basic one is just gratitude for all the blessings. And then more advanced is even gratitude for all the sufferings, all the sicknesses, all the trials and tribulations and crosses in your life. You need grace to be able to do that. We should always give gratitude for the gift of life. My favorite I'm going to tell you my favorite Christmas movie. I, I love Christmas movies. And Brother Ken knows that he and I watch a lot of Christmas movies. And I always begin with, like, you know, the children's movies. I always, always begin with the Peanuts movie to begin with. It's kind of crazy. I love it. You know, in Advent. And then do Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman and all that other good stuff. But as we get closer to Christmas... Christmas movies become a little bit more serious with like a Christmas Carol, which is a little bit more serious about conversion or the Grinch who stole Christmas, a little bit more serious about conversion. But my favorite movie, favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. And it's my favorite Christmas movie because it, it wasn't actually a Christmas movie but we've made it into a Christmas movie. Why? Because it's about life. It's about the gift of life. Isn't that what Christmas is all about, is the gift of life? I'm so glad we still have our Christmas decorations up because it takes us so long to put them up and then like, you know, Christmas is over in like two weeks and we're back to ordinary time. And the thing is, what I say about ordinary time, we honor all the mystery of Christ's life. And so even we can honor his incarnation even during ordinary time. It's about life. And the reason why I love that movie is it's because it's about life. And it's about just one person's life, George Bailey. And, is, and that one person's life and his impact upon other people's lives. And it's a great movie that really, you have to stay with the movie. It's a great movie to see it from the beginning to the end. Because if you don't see it from the beginning of, to the end, you don't really understand the end of that movie. 
and the impact that this one person, this one ordinary person, George Bailey, makes upon people's lives. And George Bailey, up, up to that point of the end of the movie, you know, when the, when the angel comes and shows him what his, what his life, what life would be like had he never been born. And he sees that, and all that time, he's thinking his life is a waste. He's not doing what he wants to do, meaning he wants to travel, and he wants to see places, and he wants to make a lot of money and really make an, an impact on the world. And yet he's stuck in this office in Bedford Falls in this small town, and you know he's got a wife and he's got four children, and he's struggling, you know, because there's old man Potter bearing down on him. He's very greedy. And, he, and it seems like he's living a very hard, tough life. And he, he never realizes the gift of life until he sees what life would be like had he never been born. And then, ah, he sees the gift of life at the end. And when he sees that gift of life, he celebrates that life. He's jumping up and down. He's thankful. He's grateful. He's grateful for all the little things. He's grateful for even the crosses and the sacrifices. He's grateful for staying in that little town that he, he wanted to leave all the time. One of the parts I like is when he's going up the stairs and he's, you know, that knob on the stairs and he, you know, that knob was never fixed and he, he takes that knob and he even kisses it. See, for all the little imperfections of life, he's even grateful for those. And that's the gift of life. That's the gift of life. That's why we should all celebrate that gift of life. First of all, beginning with ourselves, but then with others. And I always wonder with abortion, if this little child was born, what would life be like? Because I think that today we live in Pottersville, if you know in the movie, because so many of these lives have not been born. And what impact would these children have made upon life and upon society? I really think that's the sadness of abortion, is to see the impact that these children would have made upon life. So what do we do? What do we do? What can we do? Well, first of all, we can pray. We can make atonement. That's why we have the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy is an atonement prayer for our sins and those of the whole world. Abortion is a blood sacrifice, but the Chaplet of Divine Mercy is a blood sacrifice also. So you offer blood and reparation for blood. See that? That blood atones for sins. That's what it says in the Old Testament. That's why they always offer blood sacrifices. And so the blood of Jesus Christ mercy for us. But we, but we have to do something. We have to pray. 
the Divine Mercy Chaplet again and again and again. Not, not condemning ourselves. There's a wrong way to pray the chaplet where we condemn ourselves, especially if you're post-abort, you condemn yourself. No, that's not, you're just, you're making atonement. You're trying to make things right. What else can we do? What else can we practically do? This is a practical homily, not a theological homily. I'm not going to give you a bunch, a lot of theology. Very practical. What else can we do? Support pregnancy crisis centers. We need to support pregnancy crisis centers. For there are women that are pregnant with a child, they're scared. They don't know what to do. Many times they, they don't have the income. And we always think it's a woman's issue. That's the problem with abortion. It's not just a woman's issue. It's a man's issue also. Why is it a man's issue? Because uh, I always say it takes two to tango. It took two to make that baby. It took two to conceive that baby. Where's the father? See, we always put it on the woman, the mother. It's not just the woman. or The father also has an impact in the choice of life. The father is the one that can choose life and can support his girlfriend or wife or mother. They support that child like Joseph, like St. Joseph. The father has a deep impact and the decision for life or abortion for a woman. I know that personally because I've heard stories that the father was there, I would have chosen life. I would have, if I would have had the support. So men have a responsibility. It's not just her problem. No, it's your problem also. You have a responsibility. And men also suffer from post-abortion trauma. When they can't make a decision, or they force their girlfriend, they pay for the abortion. So it's not just a woman's decision. That, that's political. Because it took two to conceive that child. There's always a man and a father involved in it. And so this is why we need pregnancy crisis centers. They help. They help with the decision. They help with ultrasounds. They need funding. I, I, I know that Congress just passed a couple bills to support and allow funding for pregnancy crisis centers, and that's great. That's great. We should support pregnancy crisis centers in every way and form possible to help someone who's scared and frightened and who is pregnant because we need resources to help men and women to make the right choice so that's something that we can do besides just praying yes there are people that also are praying in front of clinics and that's very powerful it's a very powerful witness. And sometimes they're able to give them resources 
to help them. What else can we do? There's also post-abortion healing. Um, I'm specifically involved in post-abortion healing with Rachel's Vineyard retreats. I've been involved for years in it, and it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see someone that, it's not wonderful to see someone that's broken, but it's wonderful to see someone who is broken and is transformed by the divine mercy of Jesus. To know that God loves them, God forgives them. God is there with them. And it's both men and women. Don't think it's just women. I always hear that in homily. Women, 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 women. And I'm like, where's the man? Where's the man? Men need healing. We've had men on our retreats that cried just as much as the women and that mourn the loss of their child and that receive healing from divine mercy also. And the man's healing helps the woman's healing on our retreats that we do here. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen people that have not been in church for up to 40 years because they felt condemned. They felt judged going into a church. And they come on a post-abortion healing retreat and they find that someone listens to them. Someone understands them. Someone can hear their story about their choice and how difficult it was and how we should not judge but we should love, we should open arms, should embrace them, help them to reconcile with Christ and the church and their child, because their child, reconciliation with their child is part of the healing. And then to be able to go to confession and receive Christ and Holy Communion. I've experienced that in my life, I can tell you that. It's amazing. It's an amazing experience of divine mercy. I wish everyone could experience it. I wish I could show you a film and show you it. Because it's absolutely transformative when you see that. And so you could help those who are doing post-abortion healing retreats, such as Rachel's Vineyard or the Sisters for Life do post-abortion healing retreats. You know, if, if you're a counselor, you can help people one-on-one -on -one counseling because it is a trauma. Abortion is a trauma. And it does affect a person, not just spiritually, but emotionally and psychologically. Priests can help. So we're, we're all in it together. And we're all here to support one another, help one another to heal, to bond, not to judge, not to judge. No, no, one, no one can judge. We're here to promote a culture of life. Yes, to make atonement for the sins of abortion by the chaplet of divine mercy, whether we're post-abortive or non-post-abortive. Each one of us can do our job. That we can pray, we can fast, we can offer up sacrifices, we can offer up our sufferings. So that no one will have to go through this. But God can always bring greater good out of it. I always say the, the shrine of the holy innocence. If you've never been here, 
if you, and, or if you have been here, and if you've never visited the Shrine of the Holy Innocents, visit it. Visit the Shrine of the Holy Innocents. People say, I built that. I did not build that. I did not build the Shrine of the Holy Innocents. That, that came from post-abortion healing. That's the way the Shrine of the Holy Innocents came about. It was because we were doing the Rachel's Vineyard retreats here, post-abortion healing, and just, we had this project. We didn't know what to do with it. We wanted to do something pro-life, and it just, it just happened. The Lord just sent us people. It was just amazing. It just made the whole entire story of how that came about. And it's bringing healing and hope to so many, not just those who are post-abortive, but those who have lost a child through miscarriage or, or infant, infantile death or lost a child through no fault of their own and are grieving, maybe are angry at God. Yes, and those are real emotions. And that's part of the reason why we built that was for people to have a place to go to, to memorialize their child, to light a candle, to hear music, or, or hear the, the, the water, which represents baptism that we have. And to make it tactile, people can touch the water, they can light a candle, they can plant, they can put flowers there in front of Our Lady Guadalupe for their children. They can kneel, they can pray, they can find wholeness, forgiveness, mercy in their life. That's the reason why we built it. And it just isn't for those who are post-abortive, but for any person who has lost a child. Because we don't know what that person is really going through inside and the grief and the pain that they have to deal with. But through grief and pain, through the cross, there's always a resurrection. There's always a resurrection. Even if it seems like your life, it's all dark clouds right now because you lost a child. And it's all dark, and you feel it's all, it's all darkness. Where's their hope? There's, the sunshine is always behind the clouds. Always realize that. But maybe you might need some help from others to open up that darkness and to see the sunshine, to see the rays of light that's there waiting for you. And so don't despair. Celebrate life. Celebrate your own life. If you need healing and you need, say, like a post-abortion healing retreat, call us here. I can give you resources. I'll talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. I can give you resources to help you. Don't remain in the darkness. Let the light of God come into your life. Let the sunshine come into your life. And when you do, you won't regret it. You will see a new life, new hope. You don't have to remain in darkness or fear. You don't have to say, this is my secret. No, give it, give it to God. Because God wants to heal you. He wants to bring you even more than you can ever expect or imagine. I've experienced that so many times doing these retreats. Have hope because the divine mercy of Jesus is with you and he's there to lead you to his merciful heart in order to receive healing, hope, and forgiveness for you 
and your little child. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.